is I want to talk to you a little bit about some things that I know that every one of us have, has dealt with in our lives. But the, I've been studying the Beatitudes. It has nothing to do with my message a little bit. But, you know, and one of the things it says, blessed are those that mourn, for they will be comforted. And I think about in our lives, how many times, you know, we walk through areas in our lives and we walk through pain and difficulty. And it's like sometimes we just don't allow God to come and just to, you know, to help us. Amen? And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to talk to you, and I, I just know this, that in, in the Word of God, the Old Testament is actually the New Testament concealed, and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. And this morning, I want to take a, a new, an Old Testament truth and reveal it to you through the New Testament as well. Is that all right? And so this morning, I'm going to talk to you about being offended. How, have you, how many of you have never been offended in your life? How many, let's just do a test. How many of you have been offended or you offended someone else in your life before? Come on. All right, I'm in the right crowd this morning. And so this morning, I want you to do something. I want you to put your finger in, in Luke chapter 17, and you have notes there, and in 2 Samuel chapter 10. And I want, to, I want to talk to you about how to deal with when you're offended. Luke says it like this. I'm going to go right into it. Luke 17, one says, it's impossible that no, one, that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. No matter where your life takes you, you will always have an opportunity to be offended. Amen? Amen. And I believe it always. Let, let me just show you an example in, uh, in, in Samuel, Second uh, Samuel, when David's ambassadors had every reason in their lives to be offended. How many of you know that you can actually be in the will of God? God can speak to you to go do something, and in the midst of being in the will of God, you can be offended, taken wrong. Are you hearing me? Or something happened to you or treated in a bad way. Even if you have something that you know that God's telling you to do. And so I want to read with you. I want you to read with me. And it says that sometime after this, King Nahash of the Ammonites died. And the son Hanan became king. Now, what I want you to understand is that here's this guy, King Nahash, was actually a friend of David. They were actually, they were in alliance with each other. And what happens, just like we, is, is, uh, is America. If you like America or you don't, we have ambassadors that represent our values, who we are as a people that are in other countries. And when someone says something, no, this is what we believe as Americans. This is not good for us. It's not good for your nation. And so what happens, we have ambassadors. That means they sit there wherever they are, and they represent who we are as a people. Amen? And so what David does, he sends his ambassadors that represent him and his kingdom, and he sends them in, in, uh, to Nain. And so what happens is he says, I'm going to show loyalty to Hanan, just as his father Nahash is always, was always loyal to me. So David sent ambassadors to express sympathy to Hanan about his father's death. But when David's ambassadors arrived in the land of Ammon, Ammon the Ammonite, Commander said to Hanan, their master, do you really think these men are coming here to honor your father? No. David has sent them to spy out the city so they can come in and conquer it. Now, let me ask you a question before I go on and read. How many of you have ever had conversations like that? Oh, no, they didn't come here to, oh, girl, don't you know? Oh, dude, that, no, man, you know that guy, no, that, don't think that. Let me tell you what they're really thinking. Come on, I mean, you know what I'm talking about. 
And so how many of you know the enemy always wants to put something in us and we believe a lie about something? And sometimes we need to go, we need to investigate what the facts are. Because we hear partially, we don't hear completely. And so right here in verse 4, let me go on and read. So Hanan seized David's ambassadors, and this is what he did. He shaved off half of each man's beard, cut off their robes at their buttocks. Huh? I heard that. <laughs> and sent them back to David in shame. Now you think about it. I thought about shaving half my beard, but I'm going to Seattle at Thursday, so no. But what happened is the beard in that culture represented masculinity. And can you imagine you going to someone as an ambassador and they, they rip your, I mean, they wore robes. They rip your robes up, up to your booty. And what happens is, here they are. They're on their way. They're just representing. You know, how many of you know that shame and outrage and embarrassment will come? We could get up here and share, hey, who had the most embarrassing story? I mean, we would be, some we would be crying, some we would be laughing, some we would go, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. Here they are, they're, they're embarrassed, and, and, but you will be insulted, but you're going to be insulted, and sometimes you must learn to deal with it. Hello. And see, if in life you will be, a, you will be defined by, listen to me, by your offenses or your willingness to forgive. What do you mean, Pastor? Which will you choose? You know, there's, in uh, New Zealand, they have a lot of birds in New Zealand, but 41% of all the birds they have in New Zealand do not fly. They don't need to fly because there's no predators. So they don't need wings. And see, when I, you start thinking about that, when there's no opposition, you, use your ability, you lose the ability to fly. And I know that sometimes people go, well, you know, I just wish I could have peace, joy, and love for the rest of my life. But you know that opposition sometimes builds things in us. And what God doesn't want us to do is to be built with resentment, offenses. And see, it, it, in other words, no opposition, no overcoming. That's why the proverb said, it is, it is to man's benefit to overlook an offense. If you choose to hold on to offense, you'll miss out what God's trying to do for you and in that moment of your life. The first thing, I'm going to talk to you about four things. The first thing I want to talk to you, every offense is an opportunity, opportunity to overcome opposition. Every offense is an opportunity to grow. See, you can either go through it or you can grow through it. And for every one of us, it's what we choose. You know what, I'm going to use this opportunity to just get mad get, and get back. Am I going to use this opportunity to let something begin to fester inside of me? It's kind of like this. You ever get something stuck in your tooth and you're trying to get a toothpick and it can't come out and you make it, it bleeds and all of a sudden, and you're just like, ah! And that's what offense does in people's lives sometimes. It's like this. It's like, ah, ah, ah. I'm trying to deal with this thing, but I, I'm trying to do it my own way. You see, every offense, if you walk with Jesus long enough, you will get wounded, but don't, you don't have to stay wounded. Now, let me look at verse 5, and I'm going to go, and we're going to start this thing. See, 2 Corinthians verse, chapter 10, verse 5. When David heard what happened, he sent messengers to tell, to tell the men, tell the men, stay at Jericho until your beards grow back and, come, and then come back. For they, they felt shame because of their appearance. In other words, I don't, you know, Pastor Josh talking about Jericho, but one of the cr crazy things about Jericho, before you got to Jericho, it was called the place of fragrance. 
That's what it was known for. Because there was a smell. What are those jasmines? You ever had those smell jasmines and how they, they just have that, that inc- incredible smell? I don't, it wasn't ja- I don't know if it was jasmine, but there was like a smell that was pleasant. In other words, you know what God really, what God was, see, it, it, I find it interesting that David tells him to stay in, in, in Jericho means a place of fragrance. What is, really, what is David really saying? David's really saying, take all your shame, take all your embarrassment, all your offenses, and stay in Jericho and find your sweet spot, that place of fragrance, and your confidence will be restored. In other words, go back to the place where you find your sweet spot. What do you mean? That place, you know, instead of ugliness, instead of bitterness, instead of things, all of a sudden you find that place. And sometimes we got to go to the Lord and say, God, I hurt right here. What they said really wounded me. What they really said hurt me. Am I in the right church? Okay. Thank you. But what happens is, I know for me, sometimes I have to go. When there's things that happen, I get tired, I get weary. I got to go find my sweet spot. And my sweet spot sometimes is my chair. In my little office, and, and what I'll do is I'll read there, I'll, I'll pray there, I'll just, I'll study there. I have this chair in my corner with a lamp, and J.J. came over one time, and he said, man, Pastor, I love this chair. It's so comfortable. I said, brother, it's an anointing. It's just the tears that have been there. It's been the cry of my heart, the pain sometimes that I've walked through. Don't think that a pastor doesn't go through those things either. Don't think that, you know, because, you see, you just see part of me. Hello, you see the stage bubba, but him and her, they see behind the stage bubba, and they live with me, and I live with them, and it's a joy. It's incredible to have an incredible wife. We'll be married 33 years in three weeks. Before I knew the Lord, I can only do things for like three days consistent. But David's saying, take all those things, find the sweet spot with Jesus, and when your fences are absolved, God's going to come move in. See, the only way God can move in when we've been wounded or hurt or something's happened to us or something's said is going back and finding that sweet spot, and that sweet spot is being with Jesus. It could be a chair. It could be walking around the neighborhood. It could be sitting on your back porch and, and just seeing the things, getting the word of God out or putting on some music and letting God come and speak to us and begin to heal us and begin to pour his oil on upon our hearts because the Holy Spirit is represented by this. It's represented by a dove. A dove will have a mate, for one mate for its whole life. One mate. And what happens is with that one mate, it, what we'll do, it will stay with that mate. But a dove is very sensitive. It, it's, it, it's kinda, it kind of just doesn't come anywhere. It's sensitive. The conditions have to be right. The, 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 the moment has to be right. And, you know, the Holy Spirit's represented by a dove, and God wants to come and light in your life when the moment's right. It's also represented by water. It's called the living water, that God can wash us and help us. It's also represented by the oil that God would come in in our wound and our hurt, and God would begin to pour his oil into our lives and begin to bring healing. Amen? It's also a fire where God comes, and he blows it. It's also represented by wind, that wind begins to blow, and it creates a fire in our hearts and it burns up all the impurities, all the bad thoughts, all the different things that we deal with. We can give those to God and his Holy Spirit will help us. You see, I believe this for every one of us is you got to find your sweet spot. When you, let me just say this. When your rear end is exposed, you can choose to be offended or go hide in the sweet spot. How many of you have ever had that, 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 that sometimes where you just go like, man, my rear end has been exposed. Come on. You imagine that? 
You see, what happens is, is if when you, we see there's two things that belong to God. And I want you to hear me out. There's only two things that God says is mine. The first one is his tithe. He said, the tithe is mine. The second thing that God says is his is vengeance. He said, vengeance is mine. See, the second point, when you're offended, refuse to take revenge. Boy, I got a lot of amens on that one. You see, Romans says it like this. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will repay them back, says the Lord. Or in other words, another version says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. In other words, see, when you feel wronged, we feel the need to take matters in our own hands. You ever feel that way? Lord, just turn around right now. I'm going to pimp slap him. <laughs> that old man you gave me, that woman, whoosh, Lord. Them children, Lord, Lord I think they were born in hell. See, when you feel wrong, you feel the need to take matters in your own hands. Hear me closely, church. I want to talk to you real personally here. Your feelings of revenge can be overcome by realizing that God will make all things right. And he will visit his wrath on those who deserve it. See, your feel let me just say, your feelings, your emotions, and your opinions are bad leaders. Complaining will not bring freedom. I'm just staying on that one for a little while. Can I, listen, women, if you have something, don't complain. Pray. Men, don't go, don't be pointing at your wife. Men, you said, not women, y'all say, listen up. Men, let me tell you something. You know what you need to learn to do? Set the example so your wife can find freedom. She's your better half. And see what the enemy wants to do? He wants to divide marriages. He wants marriages because it represents the union of two and it makes a family. I'm not confused. I know what bathroom to go to. I know who I am. Before I came up here, David O, he goes, Pastor Bubba, Come see. He goes, you need to zip your pants up. <laughs> I said, thank you, man of God. I said, I've tried to, I've exposed my, he goes, me too. I said, well, anyway, thank you. That someone would cover me. You see, you got to go back to the sweet spot and let everything begin to grow again. That God wants to allow things to grow. How many of you know God's into growing stuff? Healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. That means your life, you know, when someone has a healthy relationship, that doesn't inoculate you from going through trials and tribulations and hard times. Listen, some of the greatest blessings. One time I was at our late Charles Church, Church of the King, and I got up and Pastor Todd had me just, he just wanted some Pastor Bo to share with And I stood up one day and I said, look, let me just tell you something, guys. God blessed me with cancer. And they were like, what? You know why? Because it opened my eyes to people that I never recognized. 
It opened my eyes to have compassion for people. I mean, when you see little kids coming in there and you see older people and things that are happening, it may be the end of their days, and, but yet God comes. And there's something about when you go through opposition, when you face things in your life, what happens is all of a sudden God begins to open our eyes and be, let us begin to see the world bigger around us. I don't know what you go through. I don't know what you face, but can I just say something? I'm not going to insult you and say I know exactly what you're going through or what you face, but can I say this? I have compassion for you. And let me tell you that Father God has compassion for you. He knows your wound. He knows your hurt. He knows your cry. He knows the thoughts you have. The Bible says his thoughts towards you are like the grains of sand. And people go, oh, yeah, he's going to get me back for everything I did. No. He says he's so intimately involved in your life, he knows every hair on your head. And even for those that are follically challenged. See, let God, your God, fight your battles. Vengeance is God's department. Amen? Go back to the sweet spot. Verse 4. Luke 17, verse 2 and 4, it says this. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and then he was thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Let me just give you a description. A millstone weighed 2,000 pounds. Okay? They have a a hole right in the middle of it. And that's like putting a, a leather strap around your neck and saying, if you offend one of my little ones, he said, it's like throwing, you, know, you offend me in such a way, it's like me throwing you into the sea with a millstone. It'd be better that you don't offend someone. Can I be honest with you? I've offended people. I'm not stupid. I've hurt people. I've offended people. I've said things that I shouldn't have said. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you don't mean to. Come on. Sometimes you're just driving and you just get over and someone gives you the peace symbol and you don't even know why you did it. You offended them. I drove through Houston yesterday in the rain. Lord, I was getting offended. (laughs) But here it says, take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day... And seven times in a day returned saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. It is clear that God takes vengeance very seriously. It is also extremely clear that God takes forgiveness very seriously. Vengeance is the mighty act of God. God's vengeance is better than yours. Amen? And see, when you see his vengeance start to happen, listen, when you see God pouring out his vengeance on someone or a family or something happening, you know what you begin to do? You begin to have compassion because you go, Lord, that's heavy stuff. And then all of a sudden you go, Lord, please touch them, be with them, help them. See, if your, the Bible says, if your brother sins against you seven times, forgiving 70 times seven. Wait, let's stop right there. Wait a minute. See, in the Old Testament, Priests had to know the first, they had 12 books in, in their Bible, the Jewish priests. They had to, by the time, they, if they were going to be a priest, by the time they were 15 years old, they had to know every book by memory and quote it and recite it. That means they knew every prophecy, they knew every truth, they knew everything. So what they would do for forgiveness, it was their rule. They said, hey, look, 
If someone came and said, look, I have an offense towards someone, and he said, listen, this is all you need to do. You need to forgive them three times. And after that, so when Jesus comes back and says, three times? Oh, no, no. We'll double that and add one. And we'll do a little multiplication. We'll do it times 70. That didn't mean, well, I can forgive them 490 times, Pastor Bubba. Who's counting? If you're counting, it ain't forgiveness. You see, what happens is, the third point, unforgiveness happens when you don't take God's forgiveness seriously. Every offense is disguised as unforgiveness. You see, when unforgiveness leads to bitterness, and bitterness drives us to seek vengeance in our own hands, which leads us to self-destruction. Unforgiveness is like a tumor. It just is. You might not see it, but everybody else sees it. The Bible says it's the eyes are the window of the soul. Sometimes you can look in someone's eyes, you can see bitterness, you can see pain, you can see hurt, you can see different things in their lives. Are you hearing me? Are you mentioning a name and something, all of a sudden, you know, I'm not going to mention a name, but whatever name, because that might be someone here that name, but anyway. And all of a sudden you see them. It's like they almost get hit. You talking about him? You know what he did? And all of a sudden, let me tell you something. When you don't allow God to help you forgive people, let me tell you, it's like a tumor. It's just going to grow. Can I tell you something? It's not going to fall off in the shower either. Time won't heal it. Pastor, how many times should I forgive? Seven times 70. If I could really tally up all the times God is forgiving me and you, there are not enough stars in the heavens. Aren't you glad God is forgiving you? Come on. Am I, okay, let me, let's do this. Aren't you glad? Let me just hear a little, I need to hear your heart. Aren't you glad God's forgiven you? When the inner jerk comes out. When you feel like what you have to say is really important. And God's telling you, shut up. Or there could be times where you go, Lord, that man you gave me, I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. He hadn't fixed that closet door in seven months. I'll let that one simmer for a little while. <laughs> if we can tally up all the times God's forgiven us, we'd be blown away. The good news is that God makes, listen, the broken world whole. He takes the overlooked, the undervalued. He takes the left out, the written off, the damaged, and destroyed. And then he, he does what only he can do. God loves to make the broken beautiful. See, Jeremiah was told to go to a potter's house. God said, I'm going to speak to you. And he's watching this potter make this, forming this clay and beginning to make a pot. And all of a sudden, as the potter's doing it, a potter knows how to make a pot. But what happens, he's doing it, and there's a flaw in it. How many know we all got flaws? And 
God begins to speak to him, and the potter tells him, hey, man, they got a flaw in this thing. And usually if there was a flaw, a potter would discard that, throw it off. But in this pot, because God was speaking to Jeremiah, he began to, the potter began to work that clay. And even he be, as, as he was done, he began to speak to Jeremiah in his heart and his spirit. He said, Jeremiah, so are my people. In other words, he was saying, I'm not going to discard them. Even though I see their flaws, I'm still going to do a work in them. You see, not only that, it's like, how many of you know in our culture, we have such a throwaway culture. And we discard things. I mean, you get something chipped on your coffee table. Ah, I got to get a new one. Or your kid spills, uh, what is it, uh, fingernail polish remover on it. Come on, that's a good one, right? And you go, ah, I saved. I brought you in this world. I'm going to take you out. I mean, just whatever. Whatever it is. You know, or something happens. You just painted your walls and your kid goes and plays in grease. And it's flat paint. It's not the... Come on. I mean, we can all give our horror stories. And what happens is, it's like we go, wow, I've got to throw it away. I've got to start over. But you know what? I was reading something a while back. It was really, and I really feel like it'll speak to you this morning. Because I have a lady in the church that I love, my wife and I really love, and we love people here, but I'm just saying, someone that we just, we know, we've known for a long time, she said, Pastor, when you shared that story, God began to speak to me. I need to go and walk and go ask someone in my life to forgive me for what I've done. You see, in Japan, what they used to do, if they had ceramic or fine china, what they would do is, if it would break or chip, they wouldn't discard it. Actually, what they would do is they'd get pure gold. And they put it along the cracks. And what they would do is they would put that piece back together. And it became whole again. But you know what? When they put the gold to that, it began, even though it was broken, even though it was marred, it became more valuable. And God looks at us in our lives and we're all broken. We're all marred, but if we allow God to come and begin to help us and restore us, he puts his gold in there, and he makes us more valuable than we were at the beginning. Amen? Amen. And sometimes we just get, there are things we got to walk through, guys. There's things that we got to face. There's things that we got to go through. And guess what? God sometimes puts the right people in your life, even though you're praying, God, take them out of your life. Because God's wanting to do a work. Am I in the right place? Yes. Because I believe this, that there are many of you, most people think things are, you know, quick, real quickly, I want to give you a few practical ways to walk in forgiveness. Here we go. Here's four stages of forgiveness. Number one, hurt. We get hurt. We get damaged. We, we, we gotta, this is what you got to learn to do. Identify your hurt. Name it. I remember when I was 10, my parents got divorced, and, and it hurt me. I walked in on my dad and my mom, and they were hitting each other, and, and, and they were looking at me, we're leave, I'm leaving, and he's this, and she's that. And I remember just going, my world was right. I was hurt. Years later, I went to my mom after becoming a Christian. I said, Mom, I forgive you. I forgive you. And I remember my mom. She said, you just don't know the guilt that I face. And she began to cry. And she said, will you forgive me? I said, my mom, I forgive you. And I prayed for her. You see, God's way of doing something is much greater than our way of doing something. You see, 
whatever you experience, ex- express your feelings. That's what I love about my wife. My wife, when she, she's not surfacy, she's like deep. And she's like, let's get to the root of this sucker. Let's get playing around the roots. Let's get to the root. Because if you get to the root, you can get fruit. Come on. And some of you need to get rooted, and then you get fruited. But see, what's happening, you're eating the wrong kind of fruit because you're not dealing with the root. Oh, here comes Leroy again. If your name's Leroy, I'm not talking about you. Mm-hmm. Every time he comes, he brings suspicion, pain, and hurt. That's why with my great aunt yesterday in Houston and, and uh, went to my great uncle's, not my great, my uncle, my dad's oldest brother, he was 89, almost 90, and my aunt's 88, and she is a trip. And like what happened, she had gotten a bunch of, because all my family was coming together after the funeral, and, and she had, had it all worked out, and her grandson, his name's Cody, if you're here listening to Aunt Nancy, I'm not blaming anybody anyway. And, and what happens is he forgot to get the bread at Olive Garden. You know, the bread's the important part. And so she's calling, they're calling, and Libby's watching my aunt, and she's just laughing. She goes, and, and I'm saying, she goes, she gets the phone and goes, oh, I don't want to hear it. And she puts the phone down. And she goes, oh, oh, oh. And everybody goes, Mama, ain't Nancy, it's going to be all right. No, 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 no. And she just goes, not dealing with it. <laughs> And Libby's just cracking up. Daddy, it was so funny. You got in there. She, I go, no, but she's the kind that'll talk to you. Oh, honey. And she starts crying. I remember when your daddy and your mama, I brought your daddy from Lafayette to Lake Charles to see you born. Oh, and it was so. <laughs> yeah, it was just stories. You know, she tells stories. My dad's passed away. She goes, I remember we had a little house in Lafayette and Lake Charles had one room and everything. Your daddy was, and my daddy was like, 14 years younger than her, so it was like his second mama. She goes, he wanted to hang out with us at, our, at Uncle Chuck's and at Nancy's house. And I said, look. I said, baby, I ain't got no room. And she said, but I want to sleep at your house. She said, I, I made a bed in the bathtub for him. <laughs> Thank God for people like that. Sometimes we need to label pain. Specifically, think back. What gave rise to those feelings? Who did this to you? When did it occur? Where did it happen? The second thing is hate. If you have been hurt and you don't deal with it, it leads to hate. It's not wrong to hate. In fact, we are supposed to hate what God hates. Hate the wrong that's been done, not the person. Make the distinction to be sure your hate is directed toward a permissible target. Unconfessed, persistent hatred often leads to depression. People are depressed because what happens is they haven't forgiven. They've allowed that thing to stew and brew. And sometimes people aren't as vocal as some, and they hide, they, they suppress that on the inside of them. And God wants you to unlock that because, see, Jesus came to the cross and they thought, you know what? We're going we're to done with him. They put him on the cross. And you know what happened? Is they put him in a tomb. And finally the Romans said, well, we got rid of that problem. The Jewish priest was saying, we got rid of the guy. But we know what happened on the third day. When everybody was writing it off, everybody was like, yeah, that's it. All of a sudden, 
what happened. It's called the resurrection. There was power in the resurrection. What was impossible became possible. And see, for some of you, the Bible says this, the same power that raised Jesus from the grave dwells in us. And some of you go, well, pastor, you don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what I've faced. You don't know where I've been. Well, guess what? Resurrection power. Amen. Quit living in your tomb and let God bust you out. Yes, sir. Don't matter what it is. Don't, don't retreat. Well, I, you know, I heard someone say, well, I can't. I can't do this and I can't do no. Let me listen, tell you, you need to change your I can't to I won't. Because, see, I remember, you remember the guy that stood by the, the, the pool of Bethesda for 38 years? He was crippled. And when the angel was come, when they breathed on the water, and they would dip them. And Jesus looked at him. He said, look, man. Hey, he said, hey, this is a question Jesus asked. He said, do you want to be healed? I started thinking about that. And his answer, he didn't answer him right away. He kind of like, well, I, I don't have anybody to bring me to the water. 38 years. You know what? Some people are so comfortable in their situations, and they've been there so long, they can't move, nor do they want to move. And they make excuses why they can't. Well, I set up shop. I got, I got my friend Billy. I got my friend, you know, uh, Chris. We, we buddies. We lay out by the pool for 38 years. I, I mean, you know, I don't know. We get so comfortable, even in religion. Oh, Pastor Bubba, don't go there. I'm going. <laughs> See, because religion will keep you a place, but it won't bring life. My uncle that passed away, his pastor got up and he began to cry. He said, you know, when I served the church, he said 20 years ago, I was 32 years old. And my, my uncle was, he was the number one, he was like, when it came to Rice, he was commissioned, I didn't even know it, by Ronald Reagan and George Bush to be, to be the representative Rice for the world from the United States. He worked for all these, he knew every farmer around here, but whatever, I'm not going there. But his pastor goes, he goes, and he goes, and it's a new church. He said, man, we, 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 we'd worship, we'd rock. And he said, one day I took out, uh, Mr. McCann, my, my uncle was called uh, Sonny Boy or Sonny or Bob. And he goes, Mr. Bob, he goes, well, do you come to our church because uh, you like the music? And like we said, you know, one thing I knew about Mr. Bob, he was not politically correct. He goes, oh, no, I don't come from the music. In fact, I really don't like the music. <laughs> and he goes, at that moment, he said, I didn't have enough self-esteem. I didn't ask him if he was coming because of the preaching. <laughs> I started laughing. And he goes, he said, but something, he began to cry. There's something he said has shooken me. He said, I come because there's a life here. And I'm old. He died at almost 90. He started going there at 69. He said, I'm old, and me and my wife need some life. Listen to me. God wants to bring resurrection life Amen. to every one of us. And you go, well, Pastor, you don't know where I've been. You don't know who I am. No, I don't, but God does. And he knows how to love you. And he calls you to begin to move. And listen, you got to get out of your comfort zone and say, God, bring me where I need to go. Amen? Amen. I want to be healed. I want to get this beyond me. And see, listen, unconfessed, persistent hatred often leads to depression. The third point is this. Hook. Acknowledge the deceptive feeling of control. What do you mean? Refusing to forgive 
provides a feeling of power. But this feeling is deceptive. It's just, it, it just really covers up the pain, the pain and the hurt and the vulnerability that we have in our lives. Refuse to be a victim. Cancel the debt. Move on with your life. Allow God to be the justice maker. In other words, revenge feels good for a time, but ultimately, it don't work. It just don't work. See, the pain you give can never cancel the pain that, you've re- that you received. Just can't. Get out of the way and let God take care of whatever he needs to take care of your life. Am I in the right place where are you hearing me? Because listen to me. God is in this place this morning. We invited him to come. He loves you enough and he's like a good father. He wants to give you the right direction. He's like a good guide. The Holy Spirit's a guide, a paraclete, someone beside you, someone with you, someone pointing directions, someone speaking to you. Here's how you know the difference between God's voice and the enemy's voice and your own voice. Your own voice and the enemy's voice is always condemning. It's condemning. You'll never get out of it. You'll always be this way. It's just that church talk. Can I just tell you something? It's not about that. You see, conviction is this. When the Holy Spirit comes, come on, come to me. I'll help you. Yeah, it's hard, but I'm with you. The Bible says he never leaves us, nor he never forsakes us. Even though someone did to you, forsake you, or left you, or put you in a situation where it was rough and tough. Listen, listen get out of the way and let God take care of it. And the last thing, and I want to talk, and I'm going to be done, is healing. You need to be, allow God to heal you. Forgiveness is both an event and a process. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? Sometimes you need to obey God when he tells you to go do something. And you can't allow their response to dictate what you've just asked them to forgive you about. All right? Are you hearing me? Because sometimes God's dealing with us and we want to see all these emotions and people go, oh, yes. And it may be the opposite. I knew you were bitter at me. Mm-hmm. And then you know, hear the devil come back and go, uh-huh. I told you it wouldn't work. Listen, your part is to do what God tells you to do. The results are up to God, not you. You see, it's an event where you do it, and it's a process. Listen, you can't forget what happened to you, but that doesn't need to define who you become the rest of your life. That all of a sudden, you know what? We're just a bunch of broken vessels that come together and we can say, you know what? Look what God has done. You know, when I look around the room, I know stories of some of you and I go, God, 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 Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Thank God, thank God, thank God. I didn't know him in the world. Come on. You see, Giving forgiveness to an offender is an event. Finding relief from your, your own pain is a process. You see, you must keep, you must keep opening your heart, hurt to the heart of heart, your hurt heart to God. You see, and you will experience his healing over time. See, what, you, what happens, you bring that hurt to God, and God's able to bring his oil. 
How many of you ever got a broken arm or, 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 or a strained muscle? How many of you know it doesn't, it just, and it's, it's painful, it's hurt, but there's a process. Come on. There's just a process you got to walk through. In order, there's complete healing. People have asked me this morning, Pastor Bubba, how are you feeling? I go, I feel great. Man, I, I'm so dressed sharp this morning, I can cut. Come on. I just had to say that, but anyway. It's rather than saying I'm going through man pause, but anyway, just. And, um. I don't know why I said that, Lord Jesus. It's a bad picture. It's all right. I'd rather have fun and laugh in church than sit there and go on. One day you'll find yourself praying when you allow God to go through that process, and you'll be praying for the person that offended you. Soon you will realize you're free. Forgiveness is a road to freedom. One of my favorite movies, I like to watch adventure movies and all. It's a true story. I don't know if you ever heard of the, saw the movie called Black Hawk Down. And it's the guys that they're in Mogadishu and they're trying to rescue some guys. And there's a scene in that movie that's really good. And I thought it was really applicable to what we're talking about this morning. And, and the soldiers are coming in their Humvees and they got one guy he's out there. And he goes, and the sergeant looks at him and goes, son, get in the Jeep and drive. And he goes, I've been shot. And he looks at him and goes, we've all been shot. Get in the Jeep and drive. <laughs> Guess what? We've all been shot. We've all been shot with offenses. They can cripple you, and you but you got to get in the truck and drive. Come on. Well, get in. Sometimes there's moments, the greatest compassion you have is go, shut up and do this. Okay. <laughs> sometimes that can be the love. Sometimes that can be compassion. That doesn't mean, because sometimes we don't have time to explain. Are y'all with me? Yes, sir. You see, what happens is, you know, in Acts, it says, John, no, let me go. John Bevere has this quote. says, offense cuts you off from God. We separate ourselves from the pipeline. I've never seen anything block blessings from heaven except for offense. You see, Acts says it like this. They strengthened the spirits of disciples and exhorted them to, pres to preserve in the faith, saying, it is necessary for us to undergo many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. And I love what John says, John 16, 33. He says, I've told you all this so that you may, may have peace in me. And this is here on the earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. How I many you say, that's me? I can relate, but I like this. But sometimes, you know what? God has a good butt and a bad butt in the Bible. It depends on where you put your butt. <laughs> but take heart because I have overcome the world. Amen. Listen to me. The Christian race, the Christian journey in the world, listen, what we do in our journey, we start at the finish line. We start at the finish line. What do you mean, Pastor Bubba? We start at the finish line. We don't fight for victory. We fight from victory. 
We know what Jesus did for us. That you know what? Quit staying in the dead tomb. Quit staying in that place. Quit standing in your, your, your vomit. The Bible says this. That, you know, it's like a dog returning to its vomit. You ever see that? No, okay, I don't want to give a picture. I'll show a video. No. You got weak stomach. But that's a picture. If we continue to allow ourselves to go back and replay that video, come on. But see, here's the cool thing. If I showed a video of your life or my life from this week or for, for when we just showed the video, we're going to show a video about you. Go, oh, no, not my offense. But you know what I'd love to show? The video where you just said, God, forgive me. Come, wash me with your blood. And all of a sudden, it's a blank. Because the blood of Jesus cleanses us. The blood of Jesus washes us. When we find our sweet spot in Jesus, all of a sudden, things can begin to grow back. Because see, the enemy, he knows what kind of weapon you can be in the hand of God. And he wants you to get discouraged in your relationship, discouraged in your walk, discouraged in your journey. And that's why we always got to go find our sweet spot. Because your husband, your wife can't get you there. Your children can't get you. That's a journey you have to take. Now, God puts people in your lives, and that's where life groups are important. That's where freedom is important. That's where, you know, next step you begin to find your identity. Those things are all important. But the most important thing is that you journey with Jesus and develop an intimate relationship with him. Amen? Amen. See, what happens is we fight from victory. The battle's already won. Jesus has overcome. We don't quit. We don't give up. We get in the truck and we drive. Faith is, is taking the first step before God reveals the second step. Amen? Sometimes we got to go, all right, this is what I need to do, and then he can take us to the next step. And see, God sends no one empty except those that are full of themselves. If you want to continue to have your own opinions and full of yourself, let me tell you something, God can't visit you. See, the struggle's real. Look at me, but so are the blessings.